welcome Black Tribers. I think that's how you say it, right, Faith? Hey, welcome to the Black Tribe podcast. Gary and Lisa Black coming to you straight from Spain, España, Mijas Pueblo, our little village here. You'll be listening to this on May 8th or maybe a couple days before if you're on our Patreon. And guess what? We're supposed to be out of lockdown on May 9th. I'm getting my haircut. <laughs> I need a haircut. We need gotta, shave. Gotta we add, need... Some, add some brown to the white hair and some white <laughs> to the brown hair. <laughs> oh my goodness, folks. What a journey we've all been on. And, uh, you know, I know America has been out for a while, but um, we, a uh, consistent lockdown with tickets being written all around yeah, us. Yeah, they're not messing around. They do not mess around out here. We don't agree with all that they've done, obviously. And we but do. We have to honor it. We do honor guests it. guests in their country. So, and we I really miss America right now. And we do believe that we need to go on the offensive, especially as the body of Christ. We need to be the virus and not be controlled by fear and a, and a deadly virus. And so, oh, that's a whole other set of podcasts. Yeah. But, um, Okay, babe, you've been leading us so well. We're, <laughs> our marriage is getting better because of our podcast. So we, we at least like listening to ourselves. Yeah, we enjoy our own, our own <laughs> words. Yeah, today we want to talk a little bit about communication because I don't know what you guys were all told, but when I was a young woman, I was told the key to relationships is communication. And I disagree because I can communicate about how much I hate someone. I can communicate about how upset I am about something. I can communicate about my bitterness. And so really the key... Or how I can communicate about how you're not fulfilling my yes, needs very or, easily. Or the key would really be is good, healthy communication. Because all of us are going to come up... There's always going to be conflict in any kind of value relationship. And um, really how to have these conversations and how to have good communication. And I'm a big believer in speaking the truth in love. It seems to work really, really well. It works well with children. I have a very different outlook on how I raise or relate to my adult children than I did when they were still living in my home. And I just try to be a safe place for them. I have an open heart and an open mind. And I really listen to them. I very, very rarely bring any kind of correction or any, because they're not asking me for that. Right. They're really asking, can you be, can you love me unconditionally? And I really just let them talk. And so Communication often changes as relationships change and people get older and they grow. But for marriage or for romantic relationships, it, there has to be a lot of really positive reinforcement and a lot of encouragement. Well, our buddy, talk, Dr. Tom Davis, will teach you that it for every six positive words, one negative will tear those down. I, I understand that. And so, and so those ratios are huge. And yeah. so in our communication with one another, what are, you know, what are we saying to one another is really important. Yeah. And it's not about denial. You know, if someone is really mistreating someone in a relationship, it's not about telling them how great they are when they're, when they're destroying you, because that's not going to get you anywhere either. Um, but it's how you say those things and how, and how we can really, um, just make each other better by speaking kind things instead of always tearing each other down. Well, and then not being afraid, like you started, is speaking the truth in love. So is my heart in a right posture to be able to tell you the truth right now of something that's bothering me, something that's throwing us off, something that's hurting our marriage? If I'm coming to you with an angry heart or a frustrated heart, it's going to turn into a fight. But if I can stop and get with the father and say, I need your compassionate heart right, right now. Exactly. I need your pure heart for my spouse because I need to communicate this. 
when we each do that and share the truth in love, it creates spiritual boundaries that are healthy and beautiful and creative for our marriages. And that's what Jesus said in John 6, um, 63. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Wow. And so Jesus led with that. And I think we all know Jesus was not a, um, he was not a doormat. He was a passionate, fully alive man and he was fully alive God. But he, he told people the truth. He waited. Sometimes he was silent. He he had all kinds of different ways that he communicated with people, but the goal was to always make people better. The goal was always to bring healing. The goal was always to deliver them from something and into greatness. But and, and, not, and not just physical healing, but emotional yes, and spiritual absolutely. as well. Every time he did this and he did it well, he uh, that's why he would touch lepers. That's why he wasn't afraid to touch lepers or that's what the Peter and learned from him and did with the at the gate of beautiful with the beggar is every part of their body was holistically healed their body, soul, spirit, and mm-hmm. heart every time. And so can we do that with one another in our marriages with the words that we speak? Well, and they stay in Mark and Luke, it says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mm. And just think of all the places we've lived and all the trips we've been on, all the things we've done, all the traveling we've done. A lot of those memories are gone, you know, or changed or just, fallen away but the words that were spoken those day people can can pull up words that were spoken to them when they were three yes they remember what their first grade teacher said to them well because it damages your heart and you and you remember when your heart is damaged and and then that comes from dysfunction and that comes from words usually it's the enemy only has words right the devil only has words he has no weapons but we use our words as horrible weapons sometimes toward one another. Yeah. And you can always tell, you know, I mean, we've all been in that situation where there's one spouse that just, <laughs> we have a, a couple that we know that, that, well, the wife is just, man, she's on him all the time and it is humiliating to watch and it's humiliating to listen to. And it's makes you feel terrible for him, you know, and he just kind of sits there and takes it. But it's a, a horrible thing to experience um, when someone is just being put down and trashed verbally and I was the queen of this. I, I grew up in a house of sarcasm. And so I grew into a very angry, sarcastic young woman. And I thought I was joking when I was saying something sarcastic to my spouse. But really, I was tearing it down. Oops, that was my phone. <laughs> I need a new phone. Yeah, it's, it's the damage is, is done and it's real and it's deep. And um, a lot of children that were raised in abusive homes will tell you, listen, I eventually my black eye went away. But the words that were spoken to me have stayed with me my whole life. And it was much, much worse. Yes. Than, and I, I do believe that they, they have that kind of power. I wrote an entire chapter just on words because they're so powerful. That's okay. where all the power lies. Right. Okay. So what? how do we use this kind of communication uh, for our marriages? How do we create that atmosphere of healthy communication? Well, I mean, if you are looking at words with the power that they really have, the power doesn't end when the sentence ends. The power goes on and on and on. Well, James, I mean, in the book of James, yeah. read it. I mean, he said power is in, life and death is in the in tongue. In the tongue. Yes. And if you look at any situation of any church or any relationship or anything, you can see where things started falling apart. And it was with the words, the words of gossip. It was either with the words of tearing down. And in relationships, it's very, very important. So if we look at all of our words as seeds that are planted, then we can look at it as a way of like, what, what kind of fruit is that going to bring up? Okay. 
So when I'm speaking words to you, I, I'm either planting bad seed or I'm planting good seed. Exactly. Is there anything in between? I don't think so. Okay. I can't find that in scripture. That was something my mother always used to say um, as we were teenage girls together. Because, man, we could, we could scratch each other's eyes out and say things. And we didn't really think anything of it. We just thought that's what sisters do. But she always say, every word either ministers or destroys. And it was one of those things she said like 80 every, times. Every, say that Every again. word either ministers or destroys. Ministers but as, you know, that was just a, a, I heard that all the time growing up. But then as I got older, I started really thinking about it. It's really true. Like I have an opportunity to either drag someone down or put them down or I mean, people make fun of me because I do walk up to strangers and tell them what I think is amazing about them. But that was something I asked for. It was something that I realized that I was such a critical, sarcastic, angry person that in order for me to walk in the opposite spirit, I was going to have to be a very life-giving, encouraging person. And so I have changed. I've tra- I've been transformed by that because I asked for that. But I can still go back into that really easy if I want to. It's the, it's a natural bent for me. You can still go back into tearing people yeah. down with your words. Yes. Now, absolutely. When we get in fights sometimes, you can do that. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just really fits with uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says... He wants everyone to eagerly desire to prophesy. Yeah. And that eagerly means move mountains. And and you say, why? Why does he want everyone to eagerly prophesy over one another? Because God has limited himself to you and I to speak life to one another. And he said, every prophecy should have these three things. Hmm. Encouragement, comfort, and um, what's the third one? Encouragement. Comfort and edification and edify. And he says edify over and over and over. And those all three are very positive things. Right. And and in fact, if if somebody gives you a prophetic word that doesn't do one of those things, it doesn't edify you, then it's not prophetic. It's, it's the opposite of that. It should confirm what you already know. Yeah. It shouldn't be some shocking, weird thing that you've never heard of before. That's where we get off with our words is when we think that we get to completely change someone's life. Right. By saying, God told me this about you. God's not going to tell you anything about to somebody else he has not said to you. It's an encourage, strengthen, and comfort are yes. the three words. And so, and they're all to edify. And so are, are, are we strengthening one another in our marriage with the words we're speaking to one another or are we tearing each other down? Well, and one of the ways that I did that with you was like, if you, with business, sometimes you would just come home at the end of the day, looking like you had fought a war and just the conversations that you'd had and the people that you dealt with and, and their, the mentality that they lived at, if you just, you would come home looking just exhausted. And I would remind you who you were. Yes. You would speak life back into I, I would just say this, but that's not true. That's not who you are. I'm sorry that that person said to you, but I know way better than they do who you are. This is who you are. You're a great man. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of truth. You're a man of this, you're a man that I, you, your posture would change when I would start to say that to you because the person that mattered most was telling you the truth about who you were. Yes. And on the other spectrum, on the other side of that, I could tear you down. When we get, would get in fights, I would say things like you're, you're like, just like your mother or call you your mother's name, which I knew would tear you down. Or you could call me my father's name, which you knew would tear me down. Or we can say these words and just tear each other apart, which we find in a lot of marriages. And again, guys, there's no perfect marriage and you're going to say things that hurt each other. And that's okay. As long as you get right to forgiveness and humility, like we talked about on the last podcast. Well, and I think ever, you know, we're all going to have conversations that are not fun or not easy, but if our goal, like we know there's a, there's a 30 second delay before words come out of your mouth. 
So I, I have a choice, you know, I can get wrapped up in the, for sure, the passion or the anger of the moment, but I still have a choice. We always have a choice. And so, you know, there's a lot of times say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that that was wrong. Not, I, I had no control over that. That was something else speaking right. that said that to you. God says he'll never tempt us beyond what we cannot handle. First Corinthians 10, 13. And so when you're tempted to tear your spouse down, he says in that same verse, go read it, that he'll always give you a way out. Mm -hmm. So there is a choice in every single thing we do in temptation. That's your porn addictions. That's your depression addictions. That's all your things. But in our marriages, we have a choice to either tear one another down and stop it and choose to speak life or to go ahead and shoot each other. Well, and a big thing that I hear all the time is, um, I wasn't gossiping. I was venting. I say, well, were you speaking negatively about someone that wasn't in the room and you've not gone to them and had this conversation with them? That's gossip. Yeah. And that is kind of a, a way that people, um, excuse themselves into bad behavior is by saying I'm venting. I don't, I can't find venting anywhere in scripture. Hmm. All you can, you can find prayer. So I said to a girl once she came to me after I spoke and she's like, well, I have to vent. I'm like, why don't you go vent to Jesus? That means it would be prayer. He already understands and you're already forgiven. And then you won't be tearing anybody else down. Vent so, to Jesus. Vent to Jesus. I and think she's that's like, a book. I know Amy loved that. That was awesome. <laughs> she's like, I love that. I never thought of that. But we do that as we say, I'm just venting. But that's out in the atmosphere. Like there's power to our words. So even if the person hasn't heard what we said, there's, they, there's a feeling there, like walls have come up and things have changed in the spirit now that you've voiced that really negative, horrible, maybe, maybe slandering thing about somebody else. And so when we're doing that to our own spouse, thinking, well, they're my safe person. I, I don't understand what that means. Like you, you will always tell me that when the kids would lash out at me, well, you're their safe person. That doesn't comfort me at all right. because they're nice to you, but they just blasted me. And why, why? Because they can, you know, that's having a safe person isn't necessarily a healthy thing. I know. I always think of my poor mother. I mean, she was, she <laughs> was, I'm serious. I, I think I was a big part of killing her <laughs> precious soul was I would vent to her because she was my only and safe person. And then she person. carried it. And then she would and then carry she it. And not I remember it so many times walking into her house and she'd say, well, what happened with blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, it all worked out. And she goes, why didn't you call me? I've been praying. I haven't eaten in four days. I've been fasting and praying. I was like, well, that's legitimate. Like yeah. we, we tell you what's wrong and then you carry it, but we forgot to tell you that it worked out. Yeah. For you burden bearers out there, that burden bearer gift is incredible. My mom had it. It takes the burden off other people and they feel better, but you feel heavy and horrible. You've got to learn how to take that to God and lay it at the cross every single time, especially in your marriage. When, when your spouse pukes all over you from their day and how horrible and hard it was, and you pick that burden up and help them to feel better. You've got to learn then to go right to the father and say, God, I'm not going to carry this. I'm going to lay this at the cross and you carry this. Cause he says, my burden's light. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to carry one another's burdens that way. We're supposed to help get them off of one another and then go give them to God. Yes. And we've had to learn to do that together in our marriage. Well, and you can, you can yell and scream and shout at someone, but your body language says just as much. So if you've ever walked into a house where the husband and wife are both in the kitchen and they're, they're cooking, but neither one of them is talking to each other. And when one says something like, you know, will you pass me that herring knife? And they just kind of like, look like they're going to stab them. Like without words, you know, that there's great tension there. Yes. And I think that's really hard on little children. Like Noah 
probably was as upset by our coldness and body language when we were mad at each other as he was when we were yelling at each other. Well, it literally puts shame and rejection on your children. When you, when you go silent and you aren't willing to discuss or move past your horrible emotions, you are literally putting shame and rejection on your children mm-hmm. by that silence. Yep. And it's because something God showed, showed me that I did to our kids. When, when I would be upset with them when they'd walk in the room, I would just be silent. And I thought, why are these kids so full of shame and rejection? And it was because I was putting them on that on them by being that way. There's nothing worse than a silent dad. No, it's well, that's the whole point. Endemic silence, that Adam silence it's is the worst. why you have so many people, especially, and I hate to say this, but in the Midwest where the, the husbands are silent and the wives have to run the home because the husbands just have checked out. Yeah. And we hear it all, all the, the time. time out here with these kids. So. Yeah, so the, there is four predictors of divorce. Oh, Do you know oh, what they are? No, please. This is studies that were done, and this is not just in the Christian realm or spiritual realm. This is just across the board. There's four predictors of people that will get divorced. Stonewalling, defensiveness, and contempt. And the number one is negative or critical talk. Okay, so stonewalling. Stonewalling, which means the body language and I'm not talking to you. I'm not looking at you. I'm not even acknowledging you, you exist. I'm shutting you off. I'm going to punish you for what you did or what you said. And I'm going to punish you all day, every day until right. I get my way. And then the next one is? The next one is defensiveness. So I get defensive no matter what you no say. No matter what you say or even if I know you're right about something. I'm, I'm so focused on defending myself and being right that I'm willing to destroy our relationship wow. over it. Okay. And, and then, usually people that are defensive are defensive with everybody. It's usually a cross. It's usually a, a, it's a always who you from. are. Yeah. It's who you become. Yeah. You're just defense, a defensive person because of insecurity and rejection and all those things. Well, and I have, I have observed with certain um, marriages around us that we've been exposed to that there's a lot of women that, um, especially older women that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And their spouse, their husbands get frustrated with it. Like, you already told me that. You already told me that. You already told me that. Got it. Got it. Got it. But I all if I look deeper and have more conversations with them, they've not felt heard their entire marriage. Yeah. They have said things and warned and used their discernment and their God-given intuition to protect their family and their husband from things, and they've been ignored. And women that go through that for long periods of time in a marriage often will just repeat themselves over and over and over again because they don't feel like they're ever heard. Wow. So even as the husband looks them in the eye and says, I heard you, I got it. They don't believe it because so many years have gone by where they've just not been heard. They've just been ignored. Yeah. We we witness that a lot, don't we? Oh yeah. We see that. Especially with older, older married couples. Yeah. Okay. So then stonewall, defensiveness and contempt. Contempt. So what is that? I would say that is just a, a place of anger and a place of just where you've almost settled into a miserable state. You know, you're just, you live in contempt all the time that you just, we all have moments where we're defensive. We have moments where we don't want to talk to someone or we're upset, but how the quicker you get over that and go to a place of healing is what your marriage is going to be or what your relationships with everyone is going to be. It's when we, when we stay in these places for a long period of time and it starts to become who we are. It's not just how we communicate. It becomes like part of us. Yeah. And so contempt and miserable. Um, there are some people that are just, they, they were so wounded by what happened to them that even when that situation no longer presents itself, 
they still are in that posture of just contempt and anger and discouragement. Well, they become they contempt. Become that. Yeah. yeah, it's like we become the fruits of the spirit. Galatians five twenty two. We we become joy and love and patience and goodness. We become long suffering. That's not an emotion anymore. The more we 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 press into those things and sit in them and allow our lives to be those things, we can also become contempt. We can become negative people. And what happens is when we do that for long enough, that's when a spirit, it opens us up to a demonic spirit to attach itself to that very mm-hmm. thing. And so people who declare that they're depressed, when you do that long enough, you're oh, going to open the door up, yeah. up for a spirit of depression yeah. my anxiety, to attach my anxiety, it. My anxiety. anxiety. So you have to break oh, the yeah. agreement yeah. with being contempt. You have to break the agreement with stonewalling your spouse. Like I am not, I'm breaking this agreement. I can do this. But I'm, I don't, I'm just, I'm not a content person. I'm not going to live there in that state. That's huge. That's really good. And then just number one is negative critical talk. And So the number one thing that destroys marriage yeah. is negative critical mm-hmm. talk. Wow. And so what, I mean, how do you, what do you do with that? I, you have to ask for, I mean, I, like I said, was a very negative. I know you still think I'm a negative person. I always say Gary's glass is always half full of beer. Mine's always half empty, but that's really that my, my gut instinct since I was a little girl was like, you're a dreamer. And I'm sure it was really hard for you to live with me and Noah, our 17 year old son, because you would walk in the door and you're like, you guys, I have this great idea. Well, blah, 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 blah. And Noah and I are like, well, how are we going to get there? Well, we don't have, what are we going to say? What are we going to do? How are we going to, like, we went right to everything that could go wrong, which is how we protect ourselves. Right. You know, like, we're not going to, like, jump until we know that there, that there's a Hey, guys, there. let's take a staycation down to the oh, beach. And they go, well, why would we leave our house? This is, <laughs> this is perfect. Bad. We did the staycation <laughs> with the beach. But it's just that, that negative kind of critical talk. But when we do that to someone that we're in an intimate relationship with, we will kill the intimacy. Mm. I don't, I could not feel intimately connected to you if you were always criticizing me or put me down. I even said to you, like when we were, when I was raising most of the the six children and you were working all the time and I am a perfectionist. I like everything to be perfect. And so for me, a good day meant the house was clean. The kids did their homework. Laundry was done. And there was a homemade meal on the stove. And there's lots of times you came home and I'd be right in the middle of that. You know, my hair is all wacky and you know, Caleb slammed his finger and he's crying and Michael's can't find his jock strap and all the different things like the chaos. And you would walk into that. And I, I remember saying to you a couple of times, like, if I walked into that, I would say to you, what are you doing? Like, what, why can't you get your crap together? I would have been very critical of me of in that you. situation, <laughs> okay. but you never were. You never said, you never asked me when I was home with the kids, like, what do you do all day? You're like, well, because you're doing it. I have stayed home a couple of times <laughs> and I don't want that job. Yeah. That's a scary job. Yeah. That's... And to, to look at, um, to look at your spouse or a person that you're in an intimate relationship with and wonder what their day is like and put yourself in though their shoes. We mm. had a, a couple that we were friends with where she was like, well, he's out all day. And he's having lunch and he's doing this. And I'm in this house with these kids. And I was, I said, listen, I've gone to meetings with Gary. Those people are idiots. <laughs> like he, his, I wouldn't want his life for anything. And so it gave me compassion for you, what you were doing. And you put yourself in my shoes and said, I don't want to be home with these six kids. Like this is, this is a nightmare. I'm not going to criticize her for not having all the laundry done. Right. You never had to criticize me. I was hard enough on myself, but to actually put yourself in that person's shoes and see that most of us are doing the best we can all the time. Mm. So what if you have that spouse that 
is not was playing Xbox with his kids all day or not getting off the couch or when the weekend comes, just you, you don't get help around the house with the kids or whatever that is. What, I mean, how, how do you, how are you not critical with that spouse? What, what's some things we can do? Well, the question you have to ask yourself is, do I really want to see change here or do I just want to complain? Because if you're just going to spout out the negative things that you're feeling, you're just complaining and you're probably pushing him further into his cave. If you really want healing, it's got to be a heart to heart conversation away from madness mm. and starting the conversation with, I feel this way. Like I, I, if I was in a situation where you were playing video games and chaos was erupting around you, you didn't care. When you were done with your video games, I really need to talk to you. I feel alone. I feel like I'm raising these children by myself while you're playing your video game. I need your help. And then I have a choice to become defensive yeah. or stonewall you. Yeah, exactly. Or criticize you. You can't change another person. I mean, if somebody, all you can do is articulate yourself very well and, and lay out a path for healing. But if that person is determined to stay miserable or immature or hateful, they're going to. And then you have to decide, who am I going to be in this story? Am I going to be resentful and angry all the time? Because things didn't work out the way I thought they were going to. And they never do. Never things do. never work out the way you think they're going to be. They're always harder than you thought they were going to be. That always takes more time than you thought it was going to take. And are you in this covenant for the long haul? Are you in this to go to the Father consistently in prayer and pray that he open, enlightens the eyes of your yes. spouse's heart? Ephesians 1.18 and, and, and be patient enough and wait on the Lord and trust the Lord enough that he's going to do that. And if there's been years and years of resentment and disappointment and conflict, you have to accept the fact that it's probably going to take years to heal that. Hmm. And am I in this for the long haul? It, it could be healed instantly, but well, usually it's not. And usually, I mean, usually it gets a little worse before it gets better. That's what I found in my life is whenever there was going to be big change or big transformation, it usually got a little worse before it got better. And that's where most people give up. And then you have to look at like, what is the, what is the conflict in this house? Is it situational? Is it because we're living in a one bedroom apartment with six kids? That's a situational thing. That's not necessarily, you know, if you had more room, would some of this go away? Or is it because we're broke all the time? Is it because one of us is sick all the time? Is it because, you know, so, something else is happening? Is it a situational thing? Or is it something that we have control over that we can, we can adjust? And we can change. So if we don't have control over it, how are we going to make the best of it in the meantime? Because our goal is to rise above it. You know, I think of people with kids with special needs all the time. Like I always think of the fact that for most of them, that's never going to end. Like there's, you know, in raising our kids, there was an end date. You know, when they turned 18, we switched some things around and money switched around and the responsibility switched around. And there was a, the season that we're enjoying so beautifully right now is because it's the first time that we don't have children at home. We loved being parents and we loved, you love being, a, we're still a father and a mother yeah. and we're still parenting them, but we're not responsible. I don't have to think about what I'm going to make everybody for lunch, everybody for dinner. You know, it's not, it's not the heavy workload that we used to have. And it isn't the all consuming, you know, we can decide what we want to do on the weekends instead of sitting in a baseball park right. for three days right. and cooking in a sauna. Which is 90% of our and life. And so is, is your big conflict things that are going to change 10 years from now. So can you ride out this storm? Or is your big conflict like you're extremely broken people who are constantly wounding each other, and that's not going to change without you getting healing? Right. Okay. So how then? What What do we do with all that? How do we get healing? If there's real, like, serious conflict with things that are huge, like if you were looking at porn all the time, I couldn't just like 
turn my face away and go, oh, this will change one day. That's denial. That would be a conversation of, I feel like you're being unfaithful to me. I feel like I'm being ignored here. I feel like I can't compete with this. I feel like I can't. And then I, we would have to bring somebody else into it. And you would have to, you would have to come to a place and say, I need help. Right. That's what I'm watching with a lot of, especially these young guys, because I, I don't blame them. I mean, you've got porn right in your well, face you all to, the you time. You have to be almost like diligent. What's the word I'm thinking about? Not, not seeing it. Like right. when we were growing up, it was, we had to work had to, to go, work see, to go it. Yeah. see it. Right. Now they have to work not to see it. Right. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And so I understand that. But what I find most of the time is when they'll become aware that, yes, this is a problem. Yes, this is stealing yeah. intimacy. Yes, I feel terrible every time I look at it's this. It's not bringing anything good into their And life. then they can ask the father, hey, why is this in my life? Right. Why is this addiction here? What am I trying to fill in my soul that's broken? And then take that to their spouse and say, look, I know I have a problem here. I know this is the cheating on you. You do have grounds to divorce in this situation. I'm going to go talk to my mentor, to my the person discipling me, and I'm going to set some boundaries and let them determine what this looks like. And, and then every time you get hit with that temptation to go look at pornography, you immediately start praying for your friends that because you know that your friends are getting hit with, with it as well. First Corinthians 10, 13 again tells us that no temptation is, is new, that it's all common to man. Right. So when I get tempted, I know my friends are getting tempted with the same thing. So I have a choice right now. Am I going to start praying for my friends for this thing to fall, get the attention off of me. My, it's not about Gary anymore. This is a temptation hitting other people. I'm going to pray for them. And right. that temptation then lifts right. from me. And then, oh, by the way, it starts lifting from my buddies too. And the enemy leaves me alone and I start to get transformed by it. Yeah. But quit trying to fix your addictions and learn why they're there. Sit in the pain of those things and get some good people around you to help you walk out, ha ha walk into transformation. And I, you know, there's times where you, just, you have to get other people involved. Like there's been times in our marriage where we've done everything we can between the two of us. And we're like, we need a third person right. here to shed some light on this because we're just not able to see it. Yeah. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay. And counselors are okay. But like we, we've said in the past is if that counselor is counseling you to be stuck, so you keep paying yeah. them, get out. If that counselor is taking you to transformation so that you're healed that's and you don't need investment. them anymore, then it's a beautiful investment. Yeah, it is. And, and I think most of us always do need help. And I, I think a lot of things can be taken care of when we just bring other people in that, that we trust. Yes. That are usually older and they've, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, certified marriage counselors, but we're, we've spent 20 years counseling people and we've overcome our own stuff. And coaching. Yeah. And well, more than that, you were married how many years before? I was six years. And I was seven or something like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, all the combined in, and then working through the really hard stuff right. and humbling ourselves and staying in anyway yes. uh, has taught us more than anything else. That's actually what's transformed us. And I think that's part of what's really hard for this generation is they don't see the value in doing the hard things because everything's so instant in their world and in society they don't see that there's a payoff. Like when I, I have a girl that I'm working with right now, that's, she's pretty promiscuous and she, but her heart's broken all the time. She's always sad about it. She's always disappointed. She doesn't feel like her needs are ever met. She doesn't feel seen. She feels used. She feels all those different things. And part of our conversations is just me showing her that 
when you're with a man that really values you, there's a payoff in that. Like there's, when you don't give your body away, you know, the first time you meet somebody, there's, there's a payoff to building a foundation and a relationship and intimacy over time that you actually are sexually satisfied because you actually have gone, you know, to a deeper level with someone you've created true intimacy. But a lot of people don't see that. They don't see that there's any reason why they should stay in, you know, and most of media and everything will tell you like, if, if you're not happy, leave. And that's really not how the world works. It doesn't work that way at all. It doesn't work that way. No. In fact, if you're not happy, that's a really good place to be transformed Mm -hmm. because the only time we really learn things is when we're failing at them and we can learn from that failure. When we're successful at everything, we're not learning much. Right. I mean, it's great to be successful and I encourage you to be, but when I know that my marriage is in trouble, that gives me a really good sign that I can bring some perspective in here. Like for instance, we were on the phone not too long ago with a, a young couple that were discipling and they were at the verge of, they were talking the D word there. The divorce word was coming up and, and, and she, there was no adultery. There was no, like, there was none of these big issues that we talk about. Right. It was just, they could not get on the same page. And by just listening to them and then giving them just quick perspective, literally less than five minutes yeah. of our perspective, it centered them again. Yes. In fact, she used that language. She says, oh my gosh, you just brought us back to the center yeah. of why we're married and why we're together. And so you, we do need that. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have to have that in our marriages, with, especially with good communication. And, and then being able to be very vulnerable and communicate those really hard things with a third party. Yeah. And you got to find those people that you trust. And if it is a situational thing, then let's, let's, you know, put our head down, get through this and move on. You know, if, if it is because we're living in a house that's too small for the size of our family, let's see what we need to do. But let's not tear each other apart. That's in the good. meantime, yes, because there's people that live all over the world in one little hut with their family and they don't tear each other apart. And I can promise you, as you grow older in your marriage and you look back at those times, you're going to miss some of those times. Our little apartments with our kids running everywhere and I all love the, small houses, all the hard things. I don't and have any good memories in big houses. No. All my good memories are in little well, because you had to clean all the time. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I just, you just you really do value those later. Yeah. Yes. And so learning how to live in that really well and just say, this is what it is. And we're not going to tear each other apart. We're going to build one another up with our words and with the way we treat each other. Uh, Because one day this is, this season will change. There's hundreds of seasons of life. There's hundreds of seasons in your marriage and you're going to have ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And you're going to use the divorce word sometimes. I know you're told not to. Yeah. You're told not to fight. Uh, We hear people who say they never heard their parents fight. That's rare. Um, I heard my parents fight a lot because my dad was an angry man um, for for most of my growing up. Um, the truth is, is you're going to get in fights yeah. and, and that's okay. Well, and if you have, and you have children now that are growing into adulthood, you can say to them, listen, we went through hard times, but we overcame them. We overcame. Which is going to prepare them much better for life than saying we never, ever fought. And let me speak to you guys, young men, especially thinking about marriage, or maybe you're not even thinking about marriage and you're 30 because we run into that a lot is that guess what? Just because your parents didn't make it, that does not mean that you're not going to make it. Just because they raised you in a Christian home and said, we go to church, we're Christians, and dad was addicted to porn and mom had medical addictions or whatever it was, doesn't mean that that's your story. 
You break those curses by good communication and good prayer life, and you actually walk into a healthy, strong, vibrant marriage. Mm -hmm. And and that is possible, and it is what every one of us needs to be working towards. And it's as simple as surrendering your mouth to God. Surrendering your mouth to God. What I prayed when I was 23 years old was, God, please, if the words don't, shouldn't come out of my lips, choke them in my throat. And he did it. Yes. I didn't, I didn't say much for a long time. I mean, I didn't have much to say because most of what I was going to say was negative Hmm. and the words choked. So if it's a negative, if you're going to tear somebody down or say something negative against your spouse, just don't say it. Yeah. Stop and pray and say, God, if I'm not supposed to say this, if this is going to destroy instead of bring life, I want to be a life giver. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a, I want to be a safe place for people where they know that I'm going to protect them and I'm going to fight for them. And I, you know, who do you want to be? What kind of spouse do you want to be? And if I'm so frustrated with my spouse because this, they just won't see this and get fixed. I've got to tell them. Yeah. Then if your heart posture isn't proper, right. When you do that, it's going to tear them apart. So I've got to stop and ask for the father's heart for them. So the compassion that I actually speak the truth in love, yeah. not tear them down with my words. And unless someone's a sociopath, like we know a lot of couples that the one spouse was just determined to be right to tear them apart. Right. And, you know, they got divorced and the other spouse stayed kind, stayed open, stayed available. And, and the husband or wife has come back years later and said, I wish I'd never done that to you. Right. We should have never got divorced. I totally regret it. My life has not worked since it ripped our kids apart. It just, it wasn't worth it. Right. And it was all pride. It was all pride that said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I would rather be right than be, be okay. I'd rather be right than be happy. That's what my dad used to ask me all the time growing up. He'd say, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? (laughs) Cause they rarely go hand in hand. It's true. And it's so (laughs) true in our marriages that guys, if you're needing to be right in your marriage, you will not have a healthy marriage. I promise I don't need to be right about anything anymore. I just need to love really well. And there's times where I say, I, she's got to see this, but I stop, I go to the father with it. And then I ask for a proper heart posture that the father would give me his heart. So I can say the words so that Lisa can hear those words, not tear her down to try to fix her or manipulate her or try to make myself feel better because of my pride or whatever else. And we only have control of ourselves and we have control of our words. We cannot change someone else, but our kindness will soften hearts around us. Like I said, unless someone's just a complete sociopath, their kindness, like when we have a discussion and you immediately humble yourself, like there's nowhere for me to go except for humble myself as well. Right. Unless I'm just determined to be hateful. And that's, that's not going to get us we want. So I have four things, the four choices, and we'll leave it there, is if we've been hurt, we have choices of how we're going to respond. We can either confront it and say, you hurt me. This is what happened. This is what you said. This is how it made me feel. You can receive the hurt and acknowledge it and say, this really did hurt me. And I, I really do have to heal from this. Or we're going to be passive aggressive in our behavior and act like it wasn't a big deal, but then make our little comments everywhere we can. Which is what most people do. Most people to get back at people, you know, where they feel like they, they were hurt or we can reject our spouse. We have that option. We can completely reject them and say, they hurt me and I'm done. And we have the option to do that, which will bring more destruction and it will bring more hurt and more pain. But that is something that you have a choice that you can do. Or you can walk in the opposite spirit of what happened to you and your spouse could maybe be healed Hmm. if they choose it. So how do I walk in an opposite spirit? 
you know, that is the, the key to life, isn't it? Is when, you know, it's really what Jesus did is as he was walking the earth as, as holy human, holy man, and holy God was that he walked in the opposite spirit of what was happening around him. When there was chaos and people were throwing stones and, and full of anger, he quietly sat down and drew names in the sand. You know, he just always walked in the opposite spirit and it, they walked away, you know, and he just brought truth to the situation and said, well, are you, who are you, you, you without sin cast the first stone and they all had to drop their stones and he just calmly brought truth. And there were times that he was very passionate and very, you know, right. He had righteous very, anger, righteous yeah. anger to deal with things. So we, we just have to check ourselves. And I think we have to ask like, you know, how do I want to be treated? What do I need? I need loyalty. So I'm loyal to you. Right. You know, I need compassion. Which makes me want to be loyal. Exactly. Yeah. That's really good. Okay, good. Well, well, that's a, a good starter for some questions. If you do have questions, you do have comments, make sure and hit us up on GaryandLisaBlack.com or on our Facebook, Gary and Lisa Black. Uh, join our marriage group out there on Facebook, All Things Marriage. Uh, we're going to be doing live training on there together, just quick teachings and then discussions and having other people speak into our marriages and into our lives for our future marriages. And so what's next? Are we... We're going to do sex and intimacy next. Sex and intimacy. Yes. Wow. And um, We should get ready for that before we... <laughs> How would you like to prepare for that? <laughs> I think sex and intimacy is a good way to prepare for... We got for that it. dialed in. All right. All right. Yeah. And all I want to say at the end of all of this, because we talked a lot about hurt um, the last couple episodes, is is that if you are stuck, if you just feel like you cannot on your own get over something... That's a good time to bring somebody else into it. That's a good time to reach out to somebody and say, listen, I am spinning my wheels here. I cannot get past this or I can't quit hurting. I just, I keep lashing out and I don't want to do it anymore. That's a good time to bring a third party in and just say, hey, listen, we need someone to speak some wisdom into this. And, and you don't need to spend a ton of money on a counselor. No. You can get, you can find good seasoned married people that will give their lives. Yes. And that's why we need community. We'll, and we'll talk about marriage community at some point. So thanks, babe. Awesome. Good communication. Yeah, it was good communication. We're doing it well. 